0: That was pretty pitiful. Let's try that again. Good morning, Life Church. There you go. Much better. So, so good to see each one of you. And what a, uh, what a fantastic day celebrating with all of uh, those who are baptized and so proud of each one of you uh, for taking that step of obedience. I know that uh, there are a handful of them who are coming out of another f- prominent faith and, uh, in the valley. And, and, you know, it's just so, and, uh, so amazing to see what God is doing in so many lives. Uh, and uh, yeah, just something worthy to be celebrated because God is up to something good. Love that song we sang uh, at the beginning. Beginning. And uh, yeah, so for all those who have the orange shirts on, thank you again uh, for taking the time this weekend uh, to do a little bit of running, walking, hurting your bodies uh, to, uh, to make a difference in our world. It might seem silly, right? But uh, by walking that 6K, it really does make a difference uh, through the funds that were raised and just so, so proud of this church and everything that this church represents uh, to reaching the world around us in some creative ways. And so thank you to everybody that did the uh, 6K uh, yesterday. So thank you again. Amen. All right. We've got some other clapping going on. That's good. So today is the day of Pentecost. And I don't know if you know that or not, but in the church calendar, uh, 50 days after Easter is the day that we celebrate uh, Pentecost. And uh, penta means five and cost is like what you pay for. I'm not real sure what cost is, but Pentecost is the day that we celebrate uh, really the birth of the church. That's why this day is so important. And really, so uh, for the first time uh, since I've certainly been here, but even longer than that, I've been in ministry for 28 uh, ish years or so. Uh, 20, 29 years? Um, Shelly's uh, looking at me. Oh, because uh, you know what else today is? Today is Shelly and I's 29th anniversary. So, oh. Yeah. I love you, honey. Sorry, I forgot earlier. All right, yeah. (laughs) She woke up this morning and said, happy anniversary. I'm like, what? (laughs) Yeah, not the way to respond in that moment. So uh, that's great, yeah. It's going to make me cry. No. (laughs) No. But, uh, but with, uh, with Pentecost Sunday, um, right, I mean, so 20, 29 years of ministry and, and uh, through all the years, I really do not remember, this is a little bit strange perhaps, but I don't remember, uh, certainly me, but in churches I've been a part of, of taking a lot of time on a Sunday morning and talking about Pentecost Sunday uh, on that day, even though uh, we are part of a Pentecostal denomination, and so for, uh, for us today, I wanted to walk through what the day of Pentecost actually is. Some of you have been in the church for a long time, you already know. Uh, a little bit about about it, but there is so much more to it that we need to kind of discover today. And I really think that God is going to uh, to lead us. So for the next uh, twenty five minutes or so, I'm going to have to screen through my notes today. But I'm going to invite you to turn uh, in your Bibles to Acts chapter one, uh, verse three. And I do want to encourage you. Um, that uh, either you're able to bring a physical Bible with you, or that you can download the Bible app or any number of other apps that you can search the Bible for on your own phone, own smart device, so that you get comfortable looking up scriptures for yourself. You need to get to a point where it's not just on Sunday morning that you open up those apps, right? That it's something that you're comfortable with throughout the week, uh, and uh, reading your Bibles, letting it be a part of your life. As we found out last week, right, that holiness that we're to live in uh, really is found through uh, through the truth that God reveals about Himself in the Word. So I want to encourage you, make sure you do that, even though we will have it up here on the screens and also online as well. You'll see it. So Acts chapter 1, verse 3, uh, beginning there. To the same apostles also after his suffering. So uh, we're picking up the story in the book of Acts kind of mid-sentence here. Uh, Luke is uh, writing this story down and uh, revealing to, uh, to the church and telling the part about where Jesus, after he had died, after he'd risen from the dead and presenting himself alive, uh, the disciples are all gathered. So this is right after the resurrection. So to the same apostles also after his suffering, he presented himself alive with many convincing proofs. He was seen by them over a 40-day period and spoke about matters concerning the kingdom of God. While he was with them, he declared, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait there for what my father promised, which you heard about from me. So what Jesus is talking about is earlier in the book of Luke, in the book of John, there are many times when Jesus is talking about this gift that we will be receiving as the people of God, and that gift is the Holy Spirit. And this is the promise of the Father he's referring to. He says, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So Jesus is preparing his disciples. It's a pretty incredible uh, moment for the disciples to go, oh, this is good. Jesus, what does it look like? What's going to happen? How are we going to respond? What's going to go on here? Because you're going to baptize us with the power of the Holy Spirit. So when they had gathered together, so this is when the disciples had gathered back together, they began to ask him, Lord, is this the time when you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? Now, if you know anything about, uh, well, even the book of Mark, we talked about at the beginning of the year. So if you've been with us uh, since January, we talked about how the disciples were always looking to see who is the greatest among them. Right, they're always looking for the power. They're always looking for authority. They're, they're surrounded by it in the culture in which they're brought up in the uh, Roman uh, Roman Empire, and here again is another example. Even though Jesus had told them time and time and time again, no, 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 it's not about power. It's not about authority. It's not about politics. Right? It is about um uh. It's about what I am doing in your life, and the disciples miss this. It's about serving, but here they go again. They're like, okay, Jesus, is this the time? right? You have risen from the dead. We've seen you walk through walls. So this is it, Jesus. Now is the time that the kingdom of God is rising. They were focused on this idea of power and authority because it's what they'd seen around them. The culture and society in which they lived celebrated this, this power. And so they're like, okay, we're oppressed We're in a position where we're not the ones who are in political ascendancy, so we need the kingdom of God to come now. And so our eyes are on that kingdom of God, Jesus, where you are going to come and rule and reign with an iron fist over everybody else. They were looking for something, though, that God wasn't focusing on. And uh, in our world today, right now, and uh, many of you, well, how many of you uh, grew up in church in the 80s? Anybody remember the 80s? I know that was a a, a fur piece ago. Raise your hand real good proudly because you're old just like me. All right, that's good. All right, so grew up in a season, right, of the church when the end times was pretty much uh, one of the only focuses uh, in the church during that season. And that's probably oversimplifying it a little bit. Other things were talked about, but there was this passion for the in, in times, right? And I remember uh, growing up, the book "88 uh, Reasons Why Jesus Is Going to Return in 1988," Gorbachev is the Antichrist, and all these other things going on. Then that didn't happen. Jesus didn't return, or if, if he did, everybody missed it. And uh, so then they wrote another book, "89 Reasons Why Jesus Is Coming in 89," and you know whatever. And so throughout, so I apologize for coughing into the microphone, um, but you know, throughout history, it's, it's like this idea, I've got to look at, and find out the moment when Jesus is returning, and this is the heart that the disciples have. Jesus, this is it, right? This is the time when this kingdom is going to be revealed, and we get to reign in power and authority and rule over all of those who've hurt us. Their attention was being pulled... <laughs> to their expectations. While there's nothing wrong with uh, asking the question about the end times and, and uh, trying to figure things out, but this, this focus that was upon it was not the focus that God himself was wanting to have. Because really his challenge was this isn't the kingdom, right? There's, there's a new kingdom that's rising. So Jesus had another focus for them this whole idea of of looking up only, uh, right, can get us into trouble. Heard recently of a story of a guy by the name of Thales of Miletus. How's that for a good name? This is all the way back in 546 BC, okay, so a long time ago. But Thales of Miletus, he was uh, the first Greek astronomer He was considered by many at the time of one of the seven wise sages of ancient Greek. One of the seven, okay? You know, millions of people lived during that time, but he was one of seven wise sages. And I had to laugh uh, when I read the story about his ultimate demise, okay? I'm not not laughing at death, but I'm laughing at the circumstances uh, kind of surrounding, uh, surrounding this. So he's, remember, he's the father of Greek astronomy. His eyes are always looking up. So it says, and he, this is uh, written in the, the, the record of his uh, passing. It says, and he looking toward heaven, alleging that he was carefully examining uh, celestial objects, he fell into a well and died. A certain maid by the name Thrata, Remarked of him derisively that while intent on beholding things in heaven, he did not know what was at his feet. And I wonder if that's a good word for us today. That we need to keep our eyes on what's immediately around us. All right, there's nothing wrong with longing for, right? I've got a longing for the kingdom of God to come and power and authority and reign and Jesus' return and the rapture and the the resurrection. Okay, I want to see all those things happen, but I wonder if by putting all the focus there that we miss the focus on what's right in front of us right now. Because look at what Jesus focuses on. It's not the power of the political It's not on a kingdom that will come later. He doesn't deny the fact that the kingdom is going to come, but it's not necessarily a focus on a kingdom that will come later, but it's the beginning of a new kind of kingdom. This new kingdom would be born very, very differently. Most kingdoms have to uh, usurp other kingdoms, and it's usually done by violence and force. One kingdom's in a place, and so you overthrow that physical kingdom through military might and through undermining whatever you've got to do. They're born to oppress and deny people, power rising, the powerless are under. And I actually think Jesus might have been a bit exasperated by his disciples going, guys, I have told you how many times, get your eyes off of this and onto the needs around you. So the slight rebuke from Jesus, change your focus. He embraces the future nature of a kingdom that they're looking for. It's the timing that he was correcting, right? He's, he's like, it's, it, you know, as we're going to find out in just a moment, it's the timing that he's correcting. But the focus on the future misses the present responsibility that we have. Uh, years ago, uh, my wife and I took a trip with uh, the staff that we were a part of in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Emanuel Christian Center, and uh, we took a trip down to Argentina, and, and it was during a season of, of revivals and really great outpourings and really a beautiful time to be down there and uh, great celebrations. We were in church for hours and hours and hours uh, each and every day, and on the times we had breaks, we'd be walking awa- uh, around, <laughs> walking around uh, Buenos Aires, and uh, on those times I was we were walking around around there. Now remember, you know, I'm a, I'm a good American. And as I'm walking around, my, my head is held high. And I am, you know, I just, you know, I've got that sense of like, you know, of, of dignity, whatever it is, I'm a good American. And I'm looking around at everybody that was from Argentina and their heads are, you know, kind of bent down low and they're kind of looking at the ground. And I, and I turn to the missionary, and I'm like, man, it, it is so sad to see all these people just, man, their heads down just not having a lot of confidence. And man, I just, man, it just really breaks my heart. About that time, uh, my foot catches on the sidewalk and I, you know, stumble and about fall. And the missionary looked at me and goes, that's why they're looking down, (laughs) right? (laughs) So forget your American pride, right? Forget all of that because uh, you want to not fall down. And so they understood what was the world around them and the culture and context of their world. And I totally missed it because my eyes were up. Sometimes we got to look down. Sometimes we got to look at the world around us and recognize God's called us here now to make a huge difference. Acts chapter 1, verse 3, again, or a little bit further on, it says, He told them uh, to, the, to the disciples, uh, You are not permitted to know the times or periods that the Father has set by His own authority. So in other words, guys, don't worry about this timing. Don't, don't, don't be so focused on this. I've got something else for you. And this is what He says. But you will receive power... When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the farthest parts of the earth. There was a purpose that Jesus did not want his disciples to miss. And he doesn't want us to miss what Pentecost is all about because it's super easy as we start talking about Pentecost and being Pentecostal ourselves and believing in the infilling of the Spirit to miss the point that Jesus was making on this day. So Jesus reveals the heart of the Father that is now going to be expressed very differently because uh, the disciples early on, they, they saw Jesus live this life of really an in-filled, spirit-empowered life right before them all the time. Because they saw Jesus reaching the down and out. They saw Jesus accepting and welcoming those who didn't have it all together. Jesus was having dinners uh, with the, uh, the tax collectors and the sinners, right? Jesus was, was all about this new kingdom through the power of the Holy Spirit being revealed. And the disciples would miss that. And so what we see here what Jesus is saying is kind of mapped out like this. The Holy Spirit empowers us or fills us with his power so that we can be witnesses to the world, right? This is what Pentecost is all about, is that we would be filled by the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses to this world around us. It's not that we would be filled with the Spirit and have power in order to lord it over other people and say, Look, we've got it right, and you don't. It's not that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power and, uh, and then, then, then use that in order to learn a whole lot and to just study, study, study. It's not that we are filled with the Holy Spirit and power so that we can work miracles. So we're filled with the Holy Spirit and his power so that we can be witnesses to the world. That's it. That's the bottom line of Pentecost. It's not about us. It's about everybody else. (laughs) And so this is what Jesus is revealing to the disciples. And for 10 days, the disciples wait in an upper room. Crazy thing is, They didn't really know what they were waiting for, right? Jesus said, you will be, you know, the the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father will come upon you, but they didn't know what that looks like. They had no clue what what was going to happen in that moment, and yet they trusted Jesus that what Jesus said was true, and so they said, all right, we're going to do what Jesus told us to do, and we are going to wait upstairs in this room for 10 days, It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, where they had entered Jerusalem. This is right after the conversation Jesus has with them. They went to the upstairs room where they were staying. Then there's a list of people uh, in the Bible. You can look it up. In the Bible, a whole list of people that were there. It says, All these continued together in prayer with one mind, together with the women, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So gathered in this room, we find out a little bit later, there's about 120 people who are up there for 10 days. And during those 10 days, they are praying, 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 praying. Folks, we want to see God move in our lives. We pray. The series we're talking about right now teach us to pray, even though this message is not necessarily directly tied into that, but the heart of it is the same, that we need to be a people of prayer if we're going to see God move within our culture and our society. We have to be. Ten days later, the waiting is over, and this prayer that shook the world is just now being answered. So Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Now, when the day of Pentecost had come... They were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a violent blowing came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. And tongues spreading out like a fire appeared to them and came to rest on each one of them. Right? So in this moment, something dramatic, miraculous is happening in this room where they are all all sitting and somebody had to be looking in order to be able to describe this. So somebody's eyes were open during prayer. (laughs) It's okay, by the way, to have your eyes open in prayer. It's totally fine, right? Because otherwise we wouldn't know. We'd just hear the wind and wouldn't know that tongues of fire are coming to rest down on these people. And, uh, but so here comes this moment. They prayed for 10 days. And then now what they recognize as the Holy Spirit is now being poured out on them. This rushing wind, these tongues of fire separate and, and are suspended apparently over each one of them must have been an incredible sight, And it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages. Some of your versions would say, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven residing in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. So really quick history lesson at this moment, at this moment in history. Uh, this celebration, uh, the day of Pentecost, actually comes from a much, much older uh, historical um, uh, tradition for Judaism. And that is, this is the Feast of Weeks. This is 50 days after the Passover. There's a planting harvest that happened, and 50 days later, there would be a harvest. So so this day that they would celebrate, which was uh, called one of the big three. So three times a year, uh, the uh, the people of Israel were to return to Jerusalem in order to worship, in order to present their sacrifices, their offerings uh, there at the temple. And so that's why there are people from all over the world (laughs) there in that moment when the Holy Spirit comes. So on this day, thousands upon thousands had come to Jerusalem to worship God, had come to present their sacrifices to God of of their best, of their first fruits. And something happened that no one was looking for. The Holy Spirit had come on that day. And remember this, Holy Spirit, power, witness, world, Right? This is the whole thing. God had brought the world to the doorstep of the temple of Jerusalem, and God said, I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. (laughs) Kind of like Noah's Ark, right? God brought all the animals, (laughs) right? Supernaturally, right? God brought everybody back to this place, and they had maybe come there for decades, right? These families had come over and over and over again, and on this day, on the day now we call the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out and there was a great sound that arose, obviously. It, it wasn't this, Lord, we're so grateful for you. Thank you. <laughs> right? There wasn't that, that, that softness. Nothing wrong with that. But on this day, there is a loud noise that's accompanying the, this, uh, this moment there in the upper room. And it's kind of this beautiful bit of chaos that's going on. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the sound occurred a crowd gathered and they were in confusion because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Completely baffled, they said, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now that is not a compliment. If uh, the, the people in the New Testament, they would have recognized uh, that, you know, aren't they all Galileans? That is a slam on Gala- Galileans were the uneducated They were the the, the poverty, the down and outers. They were the ones who were the forgotten group of people. Nobody wanted to be a Galilean. Uh, They were a suspect, all of those things. And so here's all these people from all over the world, all over the known world at the time, and what they hear coming out of the mouths of these Galileans is praises to God in their own language. It was absolutely stunning to them. And so how is it that each one of us hears them in our own native language? And it gives us great list. And you can throw up, I've got a map here of of, uh, where everybody is coming from at this point. Uh, Pontus, uh, the province of Asia. Oh, I'm sorry, uh, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, uh, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, province of Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from, uh, from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own languages about the great deeds that God has done. This is from all over the known world. All of those people are there. And I think God has it for one Purpose. The Holy Spirit will fill you with power to be witnesses to the ends of the world. This is the purpose of Pentecost. Remember, it's not about us. I'm going to invite the worship team to uh, go ahead and come on, uh, come on back up. After this moment when uh, all these people are there hearing these praises, Peter gets up, gives an incredible message and on that day, over 3,000 people are added to the church. Three, could you imagine 3,000 people added to the church on that day? And the great thing is, with this map, every one of them goes back to the place where they were from. And now the gospel has been spread through the known world all because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. So what does this have to do with us today? We are a Pentecostal church, right? We believe in the present activity of the Holy Spirit among us. We believe that the Spirit of God is active today just like He was in the book of Acts chapter 2, right? The book of Acts chapter 3, the book of Acts chapter 4, 5, all the way up, right? We believe that the Spirit of God is among us working miracles Transforming hearts and lives, because we can't do this on our own. We can't drum up enough spiritual strength and discipline in our life to be made right with God. That takes the activity of the Holy Spirit among us. The reality of the first disciples is also a reality for us today. And it's obvious from the story that is told there in Acts chapter uh, chapter one and two, uh, the story that is told there that when they were speaking in languages that they did not know, some of those languages are obvious that they were directly correlated to known languages on this earth at the time because people heard them speaking, whatever that was, right? in In perfection saying, listen to the praises of God. Later on in the book of Acts, we find out that there might be times when those languages are not known languages, right? And so Paul, in his writings to the church, writes to let them know that this is okay, and it's something to be embraced, and something that we should be able to use. Remember, day of Pentecost, the infilling of the Spirit, it's not about us. Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses, to tell the world about Jesus. From Jesus' own words, we are to wait for the promise of the Father. Then we will receive power and that power results in us being witnesses so that the world may know. How God does this is through the outpouring of the Spirit and that outpouring results in the infilling of our lives so that now we are empowered to live the life that is honoring and pleasing. And just like last week, live that life that is holy, that is set apart, even in the middle of a world that is broken and falling apart, we have a God who is with us at all times. So the Holy Spirit is the key effectively bringing people uh, or bringing to us the power that we need to tell this world about Jesus. Because I don't know about you, but there are times when it can feel pretty tough to tell others about Jesus. There are times it might feel a little bit awkward, but in those moments we say, no, 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 no. I am filled with the Spirit of God Almighty. And in those moments, I know that He has empowered me to be able to tell the story of transformation that I know that has happened in my own life. We saw it in the baptisms just a little bit ago. These lives that are transformed. And this is the story that we tell. And the Spirit of God empowers us to be able to do that. And I love it that we're empowered because this is our responsibility, church, right? God has invited us to partner with him to be able to tell the good news of Jesus Christ. He's not the one that's going to do it. He's going to use us, and so he empowers us through his spirit to be able to do it. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet here as we close out. And so we embrace the baptism of the Holy Spirit, For the purpose of the kingdom of God to be expanded. This is why the day of Pentecost happens. We embrace the expression of the Spirit of God seen in the New Testament. Tongues can be a part of our lives as we live for Jesus Christ, right? Sometimes... (laughs) We, we can uh, kind of say, think to ourselves, okay, God, what does this mean? How does all of this work together? But remember the purpose of all of this, man, I'm going to keep beating this drum and I'll always be beating this drum. The purpose of all of this is that we're empowered to be his witnesses to the world around us. In Luke chapter 11, the disciples are asking questions about prayer. And he says, uh, he says to them, he says, if you then, although you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. In other words, uh, we're going to give good things to our kids, right? We're not going to uh, not going to shrink back from that responsibility. He says, how much more will the heavenly Father give you, or give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So we're in a position today to say, Father, we need the Holy Spirit in our life. There are areas of our life where we are not empowered to live for You, and so God help us to be empowered. So that that can result in us sharing the good news that we've already participated in, to this world around us. So I'm going to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You're here this morning, and you would say, uh, Pastor, I'm in a position where, uh, man, there are areas of my life that have been disempowered by the decisions I've made, by the things that I've allowed into my life, that I am not living the empowered, filled life. Of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit. And you would say, I need that because there are people in my life that need to know Jesus. And right now I know I'm the only one who might even be able to come close to that, but I'm not ready to tell the world about Jesus. I'm not ready to tell my parents. I'm not ready to tell my spouse. I'm not ready to tell a coworker because I'm not empowered by the Spirit because of these things in my life. If that's you today and you would say, Pastor, I just wanna be empowered by the Spirit, remember, Uh, God will not deny this request. He says he will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. If you're in that position, can you just lift your hand and say, I just need the Holy Spirit empowering in my life. Thank you, thank you. Keep your hands raised for just a moment. Thank you, thank you. Father God, you see every one of these hands that are raised. Lord, I thank you that you uh, will not deny this request, that your, your word says that, uh, that, Lord, you will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And God, every one of these hands, Lord, represent uh, these lives that are saying, Holy Spirit, we desperately need you. We desperately need you. And so, Father, I ask that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. Lord, that that great outpouring would be something that we experience today. Because, God, we need that empowerment to be able to live the Christian life in this world around us because you have called us to be witnesses to the world. And so, Father, we ask in Jesus' name that you would pour out your Spirit upon us. Lord, let the great outpouring be so in our lives, Lord. Let's sing now, and worship together Lord, again. Lord, resurrect us pour out your spirit upon us and Lord we are transformed Lord we need your power because this world that's around us God there are so many broken areas there's so many injustices so many things that we see and witness and experience Lord we see the pain of the world around us And God, sometimes we try to do this in our own strength and it seems futile and it seems like failure. But Lord, this just proves how desperately, how badly we need the outpouring of your spirit in our lives to be able to do what you have called us to do, to be witnesses of your grace and mercy and forgiveness and hope and love and dignity and power into this world around us. So, Lord, help us to live the life of Christ because we're empowered by the Spirit of Christ within us. Father, I ask that your face would shine upon us. I pray your blessing, O God, upon us. And ask, Lord, that you would guide us to those that don't know you. Help us to be ready to be able to give a reason for the hope that is within us. And, Lord, we love and praise you. Lord, you're an awesome God. Lord, we love serving you. Thank you for transforming our lives today. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you guys. Hey, and one thing to remember, I know I've said this a bunch of times, right? The infilling of the Spirit doesn't stop here. Right? This is this is just part of our worship experience. The worship experience can happen outside, beginning the moment you take your first step towards the doors. We are to live this life empowered by the Spirit everywhere we go. So just continue to pray. Lord, fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me again. Fill me tomorrow morning. Fill me tomorrow afternoon. Fill me tomorrow night. Let the Holy Spirit reign free in my life. Right. It doesn't stop here. Allow God to continue to work in your life. So God bless you guys. See you next week. We continue our series, uh, Teach Us to Pray. God bless you.